pretty good this time of day. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to be able to share with you, and I just want to announce our third service <laughs> is going to happen next year. We're going to pr- try to do it in the fall. Every fall, we're going to try to add a service until I'm dead. How was that? Amen? All right, good to see you. You know, it's always exciting when we, got to, we start talking about uh, the subject uh, that we're going to have today, an open heaven. And the idea is that God is not reluctant with his resources, with his power, with the miracles that God wants to unfold in our life. And I want to just, as we get started here, I want to tell you just a few things that have happened this week. As you know, we've, we've seen a lot of miracle healings happen, and I got a great phone call this week from our facilities director, uh, Milt Giles. And, and Milt, it, many of you know him, he's been instrumental in helping to, to build this building, maintain it, keep it moving, and uh, he was, uh, had, had gone to the doctor with uh, a melanoma, and the doctor said it's cancerous, and Milt said, no, it's been healed. And the doctor, you know, they, they kind of looked at him like, well, yeah, you know, that's nice, Mel, but let's go ahead and, you know, and can't go through this process. No, I'm telling you, it's been healed. So I got a phone call from Milt, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday, and he said, hey, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, we're getting ready to look at the results, and he said, I don't, you don't need to look at them, I've already been healed. Doctor looked at it, and he says, Mel, you don't have cancer. That's huge. That's huge. As you know, we've, uh, we've launched into this ministry of going into the schools with the Bible clubs with Jared and Lucinda uh, and Save the World Foundation. And this week we had our first uh, uh, jump into Rush Week basically at, in Diamond Bar at the high school there. And we were hit with the first kind of setback when they wouldn't let uh, some of our leaders on campus. So that meant we couldn't really have the pop-up and all the stuff that goes with it and all the energy that might be there. But God had a miraculous way of kind of moving past that and doing the unbelievable. Dakiana, would you stand up right now? Where are you at? I saw you somewhere. Right here? Okay, now, so she goes, she gets 54 kids to sign up for the Bible Club. Amen. Give her a round of applause. Thank you. And God is just continually doing things. This past week, we started our new session of school and ministry. If you want to be a part of it, there might be room for you. Um, I can't guarantee that. We had 85 enrolled this week in school of ministry to study the Word of God, study theology, study what God is up to. The subject is supernatural power, 85 people, and God is doing the miraculous. God is doing miracles in our midst. On Monday night, I'm going to be meeting, uh, we have a city meeting uh, to approve our next CUP. We're going to be expanding out here, going to be adding a playground. We're going to be expanding our coffee shop so we have the facility to, to do a, basically a restaurant and with all the health department and everything else. So God is doing that. So pray for it. The last time we had a CUP, we had a lot of trouble. You may remember they approved it in seven minutes. <laughs> so this year, we're, we're, this time we're going to try to go for like five, Amen. But let me, let's talk about an open heaven. What is an open heaven? An open heaven releases the resources of God. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to run out of my resources. And I mean that emotional, I mean physical, financial, 
every other way. It's easy for me to run out of resources. Did you ever think that maybe God wanted you to run out of resources? Because it's only then that you start to call upon God. Have you ever noticed how when the resources run low, how diligent you get about prayer? How careful you get about church attendance and the word of God? Because all of a sudden you realize you can't handle it. You see, God wants us to understand that principle that when I am weak, only then is he strong. My weakness is the key to my power. My weakness is the key to the resources of heaven. And God wants us to stay not necessarily poor and bankrupt, but what God wants us to do is dependent on Almighty God for all things that he wants to unfold to us. When the heaven is open, we bring the resources and the atmosphere of heaven to earth. You see, what we want to do is we want to live in the atmosphere of God, in the presence of God. Something as simple as this, and I never grow weary of saying it, just invite the Holy Spirit of God to be in your presence. Holy Spirit of God, I just invite you to be with me. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister to me. I invite you to to give me eyes to see the things that I need to see. Invite him. And heaven, remember this, waits to be released. You see, there's a really interesting thing here where God is all-powerful and God does what he wants, when he wants, to whom he wants, and he doesn't have to give an explanation. But there's also this tension here where God expects us to act on what he's told us to do. I mean, think about this. He told the disciples to go out and heal the sick. He never told the disciples to pray for the sick. He told them to heal the sick. He gave them authority to do something. He tells us, whatsoever things you ask, believe, and you shall receive them. Now, did he mean that? You see, I believe Jesus meant that. He wants us to take authority, kingdom authority, over the things that he's given us, and he says, now I'm entrusting that to you. We're in partnership together. God wants us to get engaged in those kind of things. Now, let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's a story that has a lot of relevance because it speaks of the country or the nation of Syria. Have you noticed that Syria has been in the news lately? Syria is always in the news because Syria is always at enmity with Israel. Historically, go back, you'll find out that Syria is one of those nations, and the nation's names change a bit, and some of the geographical lines change a bit, but the bottom line is there is this emphasis in Syria to try to destroy what God is doing in the nation of Israel, and so it was the case back in the book of 2 Kings, going back some 2,500 years. So let's look together and see what the Word of God says. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. So he's doing strategy meeting. He's sitting down, he says, okay, now this is how we're going to set up camp. This is where we're going to attack. This is how it's all going to work. And he says, and the man of God sent to the king of Israel. Now you've got the other camp saying, and this was a prophetic word. God had showed him where Syria was going to be. So he sends word to the king of Israel, beware, watch, and guard that you do not pass 
by this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. So what is he saying? He's giving him intel from the heavenly father. The heavenly father is ratting out the king of Syria. Can I tell you this? God will do the same for you. God will show you in advance where your enemy is, the challenges you're going to make if you will listen to him and you will understand that you have to bypass that situation, bypass that person, bypass that circumstance, bypass that job opportunity, bypass whatever it is, because what you're doing is heaven is opening and God is communicating to you. And it says here in verse 10, the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God told him, thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled, and that word in the Hebrew means violently shaken. He wasn't just a little bothered. He was rattled to the core. He was violently shaken. Because what did he do? He suspected there must be someone inside the inner circle that's a traitor. So he called his servants and he said, will you show me which one of us, he suspected a traitor, is for the king of Israel. There's no other explanation. You know what? I love it when God does something in this way. There is no explanation except God. That should be the daily routine of every life. There is no explanation except God did that. God is doing this. And one of his servants said, none, Lord. No, God, we're all good. We're 100% committed to you. That's not the problem. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. My gosh, it sounds like our administration. <laughs> Monitoring every word, everything, all right? You got the IRS controversy, you got all this stuff going on where there's all this intel going on. But guess what? When God does intel, it's never wrong. It's never fails. So he said, go and see where he is. In other words, we've got to put a stop to this prophet, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, surely he is down in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and the army there, and they came by night and they surrounded the city. Now there's no way out. Syria has come with all their power, all their forces, much like the, the nations have come against Israel since their founding in 1948. They've come against them and they said there's no way out. And when the servant, verse 15, of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding uh, with horses and chariots. Now you can imagine this servant. He walks out, all is well. All of a sudden, he sees this vast army. And I put a note in there, he was primed for a miracle. When you're surrounded, you're primed for a miracle. Don't dismay. God's just setting up a miracle. God's just preparing your testimony for what God wants to do in your life and through your life. So the servant comes back, and he's going to give a report here. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever said that? What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. And you call all your friends, hey, what am I going to do? And they'll give you some advice. Then you'll go online, you'll try to research it. What am I going to do? You see, that is the speech of the natural man apart from God. It's not what am I going to do, it's what is God going to do? And he answered and he said, verse 16, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
You see, you're always, you're always in the majority with God. You're always going to be in a victorious position. Even if you don't feel like it, God has positioned you that way. And notice what happens. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. Here's the problem. The servant couldn't see into the supernatural. He could only see into the natural. And if all you can do is see into the natural, you'll never understand this truth, do not fear. Because fear finds its residency in the natural world, not in the spiritual, supernatural world of God. Did you hear that? Fear does not find itself, does not find itself in the super, in the spiritual, it finds itself in the natural. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. You see, Elisha could already see into the invisible, that he may see, that he may see into the spiritual realm. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw... But notice what he saw. This is what's really interesting. You'll miss this if you're not careful in your reading of Scripture. He says, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots, that is a supernatural fire, all around, not the city and not the servant, all around Elisha. They were only around Elisha. They weren't around the servant. The servant could take comfort in the fact that Elisha was protected, but he probably wondered, how does that affect me? I want you to know that when you begin to move in the, in, the, in the spiritual and the supernatural, when you pull back the veil of what God is doing, God begins to, to show you and God begins to build up forces around you. You know, we have what's called guardian angels, right? We have angels that are ministering to us, the book of Hebrews says. They're ministering spirits for the sake of those who are saved. But I want you to know, as you begin to move in that realm, as you begin to take greater risks, God assembles more of his heavenly host to protect you. I think some angels are bored by our life, and they don't show up every day in your life. They're bored. Is that all you got? Can't you take a risk? Well, I'm afraid to share my faith. Don't need an angel. Well, I'm afraid they're going to be offended. Don't need an angel. I don't want to, I don't want to really, you know, I'll take care of the small things. I'll let God take care of the big things. Don't need an angel. Do you want to assemble the heavenly host around you? Then take some risks for God. Get out there. You see, God loves risk takers. God invented the word risk. He took the biggest risk when he looked out into the velvet blackness of eternity and spoke the world into existence, put man on planet earth knowing exactly what man was going to do, but had a redemptive plan from the very beginning to restore man, redeem man, and cause man to be a part of his eternal kingdom for all eternity and be able to call many sons of glory you and me. An open heaven. I want you to see something about this open heaven. First of all, kingdoms are at war. There's warfare going on all around us, but we need to learn how to listen to God. Just be quiet long enough. God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you doing? His voice is always filled with possibilities. God is never going to discourage you. God's never going to say that won't work. What God's going to do is go, well, are you willing to step forward? Are you willing to take a courageous step? God honors persistence, prayer, and sacrifice. He honors persistence. Don't give up. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. Keep trying. Well, I just don't know if God's in it. Keep trying. Persistence, prayer, sacrifice. 
We spoke last week. We said, what if we would have just been content two years ago in the living room to say, this is all that we ever want to see God do? And about 20 of us could gather in a, in a living room and we could just sing songs and we could have snacks and we could turn on the microwave. But you see, we have to say, no, what does God want to do? What if we never would have prayed for someone's healing? What's too risky? What if God doesn't? And we always, want, we always hear people say, well, let's just put on there to keep us all safe if it be your will. He's already revealed his will. Heal the sick. That's his will. Well, why don't some people get get well. I don't know. That's not my business. That's his job. I'm going to do my job, call out what God wants to do. I'll let God do what God wants to do. That's his job. Don't miss out on what God is willing to do in your life. See, God is willing, and sometimes we're reluctant, but faith is refined in the battle. If you really want to see your faith go to the next level, get in the battle. See what God is doing. Faith Live out your faith with unusual boldness. Unusual. That's not normal. That's what you want is you want unusual boldness. Sometimes when I'll make a bold statement about what God is going to do, the inside of me, the natural man in me goes, that's stupid, Phil. That won't work, Phil. That's Phil speaking. That's not God speaking. No, just slow ahead and just, I'm just going to say it, God. You are responsible. It's your fault if it falls apart. You're the one that wrote this book and told me all this stuff. I recently read about uh, a high school in Tennessee at Oneida High School. And apparently the ACLU, the Association of Cockeyed Lawyers United, (laughs) found out that they were praying and had been doing for the last 30 years, they had been praying before all the football games. So they decided that why, why would we let them do that? No one was complaining. They just heard about it. So they showed up and they created all kinds of threats and the, the, the high school was really, didn't know what to do. They didn't want to, they didn't have the money to face uh, uh, that organization. So what they said, okay, we're just going to have a moment of silent prayer. And if you want to pray, you can pray. And all of a sudden in that moment of silence, the girl, the cheerleaders were out on the f- football field. They began to recite the Lord's prayer. Our father, which art in heaven. And before long, you started to hear one by one people in the stadium before the entire stadium was reciting the Lord's Prayer. I love to just stick it to the ACLU. (laughs) Amen, in Jesus' name. Accelerate your spiritual growth through boldness. Accelerate it. Don't live to survive. Live to change the world. We live too much of our life. I just want to survive. I just want to get through today. Well, why do you want to do that? That's depressing. It is. I just want to get through. I just want to make it. I just want to, I, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to. That is pitiful. That's like a pig in a parachute. That's pitiful. Now, you'll have to think about that one. I wrote this down last night. It just kind of came to me. Once the veil of earth is lifted, you can clearly see the supernatural. Once the veil of earth is lifted, you can clearly see the supernatural. You begin to see the demonstration of God's power. Listen to this. When you look to the natural world for an explanation, you cannot see the supernatural. You ever said this? I know I have. 
a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times. I'm just going to figure this out. What if there is no way to figure it out? What if it's beyond that? What if it moves into the other realm of the supernatural and the spiritual? Then you have to say, I'm just going to, I can't figure it out. I'm just going to believe God for the impossible. Because you know what faith will do? Faith will transport you into the possible. I live my life as a natural man in the impossible, but when I live by faith, I live in the realm of the possible, of what God can do of what God wants to do. We live in the middle of a move of God. I don't know if you've been watching uh, very closely, but watching what's happening uh, in the Middle East, in the area of Iraq, the former area of Babylon, really, where this group called ISIS is moving across the land. Many of you are wearing the shirts that we've created with the, with the Arabic N on it, the noon that stands for Nazarene, and it's a, it's a mark of derision painted by the Muslims on the, on the houses and the property of, of Christians saying, we now own this. And in the name of Allah, they're, they're taking lives. But I want you to know God is doing something. Do you realize the way that God is ministering and getting people's attention in the Middle East is through dreams and visions? That hundreds and hundreds of people in Iran are coming to faith in Christ through a vision of Jesus? But the other thing I wanted to tell you this, there was a rally just recently in Baghdad. And the rally was because they're closing down, the ISIS is closing down all these churches. But guess what happened? 200 Muslims... They joined the rally, four Christians in Baghdad, wearing shirts with an N painted on it, and they holding up signs saying, I am Iraqi and I am Christian. They were not Christian, they're Muslims. What's God doing in that? Essentially, they're saying, we will die for that man over there and his right to serve his God, but I think there's something deeper going on. I think what's happening is God is starting to move their hearts in a little way to move them toward the kingdom of God. Because you don't do that unless something is happening in your life. Amen? Let, let me put it this way. You're probably standing closer to a burning bush than you think you are. Remember Moses? Here's Moses. He's been in the wilderness 40 years. All of a sudden, he walks by, sees a burning bush, but it's not consumed. He says he stops, and he looks, and he wonders, what's going on here? And, and the bush, though it was burning, it was not consumed. And then he heard a voice. Take off your shoes for the, the ground on which you stand is holy ground. And by the way, Moses, I'm getting ready to send you back to Egypt where you ran away from 40 years for the fear of your life. You're going back in there. And, and he says, well, okay, but how am I, who am I going to tell sent me? And he says, just tell him the I am him sent you. I am everything you need. You see, Moses may have walked by that burning bush for 20 years and never noticed it. But he finally stopped long enough to see it. A burning bush in the, in the desert is not unusual. Those creosote bushes will, will catch on fire instantly. But the difference between this one was it was not consumed. What's the burning bush you're standing next to right now? What's the miracle God wants to do in your life right now? When Paul came to Corinth, he said this, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words and with the man's wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? That your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but where? In the power of God. I just trust God's power. I just trust what God wants to do, what God is in the business of doing. 
And what we want to do is we want to begin to see the unfolding of God's great power in our life. We want to begin to see all that God has for us, all that God is doing for us. I want you just for a moment right now, I want you to think about what is it you'd like to see God do in your life? What is it you'd like to see God do in your life? Now let's qualify it. What is that, what is of that list, what are those things that you know that only God could do? It would take a miracle of God for that to take place. Do you got it? It would take a miracle for that to take place. Now, do you feel the pull? Do you feel something that's saying, yeah, but it won't work? Yeah, but I don't know how that's possible. Do you feel the tension you see, we always live in the tension of the impossible and the possible. And depending on your faith, depending on how you take God's word for God's word is going to be the direction you lean. And if you feel that tension saying it's not possible, just know that's not coming from God. It's not God disapproving of what you want to trust him for. That's your faith that's saying, I just don't know. And you say, well, how do I get through? I've talked to a lot of people that said, I just don't know how to get the faith. I said, you already have the faith. The Bible says a measure of faith is given to everyone. Yeah, but I don't have great faith. Jesus said, you only need faith the size of a what? A mustard seed. That's a very small seed. I don't need much. I just need to use what I have for the glory of Almighty God. What would happen if you take that little seed and you begin to say, God, I'm going to plant that seed? You see, that's faith. When you plant a seed, it's faith, isn't it? And you cover it over with dirt, and then what are you going to do with that little seed? Now you're going to start to, to cultivate that, that little seed. You're going to take and pour water on it. You know what water is? It's prayer. God believing prayer. God, I just believe that that seed is growing. And your temptation is to do what? Dig it up. I remember one time when I was a kid, I had some science experiment. I had to plant beans or something, something ridiculous. And, and I was just so curious to see if they were sprouting. And every day I'd get a spoon and I'd dig them up. And my mom came in and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm checking to see if she's going to kill them. You know, and there'd be one little leaf coming up there. And I, you know, I'd push it back down in there and crush the little leaf as it came up. And that's what we do with our faith. We, God, we plant the seed, we begin to water it. And God says, just wait. I can't wait. God, I got to dig it up and see what's going on. No, don't dig it up. Leave it alone. Well, God, when is it coming? When it's ready. Oh, I'm ready. It's not ready. You're just looking at it. You're thinking, well, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going I'm to fertilize it. And then you kill it. You fertilize it with your own idea. You're going to help God's miracle. I just got to encourage the miracle. God, you need some help. I'm going to put a little fertilizer on. Don't do it. You'll kill it. You get man involved in a miracle and you'll kill it. You start taking credit for a miracle, you'll kill it. This is not about you. It's about him. Let it grow. And then before long, if you're just patient, you'll begin to see a little bit coming out. And you'll say, that's it, God? That's all you got? Just be patient. You can grow a squash in 40 days, but it takes 40 years to grow an oak. Be patient. It starts to come up. You see that little leaf. That's not much, God. I needed more. I wanted more out of you, God. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Be patient. 
It gets up there about an inch. It looking better, God. I've got more hope, more faith. Just be patient. It might, it might go full grown overnight. It might take a year, two years, or five years. Do you realize prayers you're praying today are in the cultivation stage? And the faith, when you pour water on it, is, your, is the watering of that. Just be patient. You don't know what's going to happen. Don't give up. Revelation says that our prayers are stored up in golden vials in heaven. It says they're the prayers of the saints. Your prayers are in golden vials. God says when they reach the right point, I'm going to release. When you start to understand this principle of your will in heaven, I'm going to bind it in heaven. I'm going to release it. But God says I'll dispatch it in my time and in my way. Just be patient. It's really interesting in our finance team, there will be a week where our offering will be down. And the finance team's all rattled. What are we gonna do? Be patient. God will move somebody. God will take care of it. Be patient. We're not interested in the weather. We're interested in the climate. I can look at my phone and I can see what it's gonna be today. And I look at it, and it says stormy, cloudy, rainy. Be a, be a first. <laughs> and I go, oh, no, I hate living in Southern California. When I first moved here, everybody told me that we really need rain, we need to pray for it. I said, why? you got sprinklers. <laughs> Amen? You don't need it. You've got sprinklers. You just, it's all taken care of. Okay. But what I do is then I look at the, the seven-day forecast. And I go, oh, looky here. It's going to be a little cloudy here today, but now I've got 82, 82, 82, 82, 80, 81. That's good. That's good movement. 84. <laughs> Think about the weather of your spiritual life. Not the, not the, not the, I mean, think about the climate, not the daily weather of your spiritual life. What's the big picture of what you're seeing God to do? If you, if you invest every day in faith, in water, and nurturing, guess what? You're going to see God do the unbelievable. You're going to see God do the miraculous in your life. Now watch this. As you begin to walk through this, you're going to see you're going to have to replace fear with faith. Fear. What do you fear? I like that, uh, that acrostic of fear. It is false evidence that appears real. It looks like it's real. It's going to happen. I know all the world's coming to it. I'll tell you, it's always funny when I'll get a voice. Pastor, I have to talk to you right now. Right now. I'm thinking, really? Really? I'll call him, what's going on? And I'll hear it and I'll go, that's not a right now phone call. Are you kidding me? I got more problems than that before noon. And I'll go, well, why don't you do this, this? Oh, yeah, that's all I needed. Thank you so much. You know, when you have a right now, you know who you go to? You go to the Heavenly Father. Father, I got a right now moment. He goes, okay, that's all you got? Remember when, when Moses is going across the Red Sea? He's going to cross the Red Sea, and all of a sudden the Egyptians are hot on his heels, and, he, and the people are griping. They said, Moses, you brought us out here in the wilderness. You're going to kill us in the wilderness. You know, and he looks up at God. God, what are you doing? He goes, what are you doing? Tell the people to go forward. You can stand on the bank all day long and never see the miracle of God. 
God is not going to just open it up until you take the first step. When you take the first step, the Bible says the waters parted. They walked across the Red Sea as on dry land. Now, some people say, well, that was the Reed Sea. You know, that was really not no big miracles, only four inches of water. Then it's a bigger miracle because all those Egyptians drowned in four inches of water. <laughs> Amen? Amen. God will act when, write this down, God will act when I step forward, not before. You got to create an opportunity. You got to create a need. You got to create a problem and say, God, this is a problem. And what are you going to do? And God says, What are you going to do? You're going to take the first step. If you'll take the first step, I'll carry you the rest of the way. Well, I want to tell my friend about, about Christ, but you know, I just don't know. Take the first step. I'll take care of the rest. Take the first step. I'll take care of the rest. Let me give you some life applications. Here's the first one. The resources of heaven are at your disposal. The resources of heaven are at your disposal right now. I need a job. The resources of heaven are at your disposal. I need a husband. I need a wife. The resources of heaven are at your disposal. What kind of husband and what kind of wife do you want? You don't want to just pray for any husband, any wife. Might get the wrong one. Right? Some of you are looking right now at, the, at your husband going, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I should have been more specific. <laughs> I need a job. What kind of job do you need? Be specific. I need a miracle. Be specific. I need to see God bless me. What kind of blessing do you want? Be specific. The resources of heaven are at your disposal. Well, I'm just going to, when I get a big need, I'll trust God. No, be specific on everything. By everything, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Everything to God in prayer. Every little thing. Well, I don't know if he cares about it. He cares about everything you care about. He has an answer for everything you have a question about. That's why he's God. That's why he's God. Open your eyes to the divine possibilities of God. Open your eyes. God, what's possible with you? What do you want to see done, God? Tammy alluded to it earlier, but I was so excited about this door hanger more so, we've done it before, and I'm always surprised that people actually respond to them because I get them and I throw them away. I do. But not everybody does. People are in this church today because of those. And, but I was so excited about this because we weren't inviting anybody to an event. We were telling them about our God who's a miracle-working God, and we had on the back of that five testimonies, just five of many testimonies of people who have been healed, verifiably healed by doctors. Doctor said, yep, something's happened. It's a miracle. We don't know what, what went on here. When I began to see that, and I began to say, let's not lift up us. Let's lift up God. Our God is great. Amen? Our God is good. If you only have 10 minutes to pray, use eight of it praising him and two of it asking. Use the 80% rule. 80% of the time I'm praising God, 20% I'm asking. 
Don't start with the 20, start with the 80. God, I just want to give you praise and glory and honor. That's exactly what he taught the disciples. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is great. Why is your name great? God, your name is great because you're a healer, God. You're a powerful God. You're a mighty God. There's no need that you can't meet. You're a great God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Oh, I don't need as many things as I thought I did now, God. Because I've just become, I've come into your presence. And in your presence, there's joy forevermore. In your presence, there is warmth and love and grace and security. And all fear is banished in your presence, almighty God. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray, we, we ask you, Lord Jesus, to begin to stir the hearts for the possibility of what you want to do in an open heaven. God, we know that one of the things we learn in Scripture about an open heaven is that Jesus is always ready to heal. Jesus is always ready to save. Jesus is always ready to comfort. What is it you need from Jesus this morning? Do you need to be healed? He's ready. Do you need to be saved? He's willing. Do you need to be comforted? He's available. What do you need from Jesus right now? He's a God who responds well when we ask. Not reluctant, but well when we ask. Would you ask him right now? Right in your heart of hearts. Maybe you're not willing to share that with anyone yet, but in your heart you say, God, this is what I need. This is what I would be a great miracle. Put the seed in the ground right now and cover it over with dirt. Leave it to God. Don't get anxious and dig it up. Don't get frustrated because you don't see the life yet, the growth of it. Don't despise a day of small beginnings. Let God cultivate and nurture that seed in the darkness and the mystery of His holiness. You got it planted? If you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says if we call upon His name, we will be saved. I'm going to invite you right now to call on His name. I'm going to invite you to look at the cross of Calvary where Jesus died. Look to the tomb where he was buried and rose again from the dead. And I'm going to, I want to ask you, if you've, if you've never gone by the way of faith and called on Jesus and, and asked him to save your eternal soul, would you do it right now? You could do it in a simple prayer like this one. Lord Jesus, save me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, give me the gift of eternal life. And then I want you to feel the warmth of his spirit. And I want you to see the smile on his face when he says, I love you, my son, my daughter. Come into my kingdom. Come into my kingdom. But God, I, I've had so many sins in my life. It's not about you. It's about me. It's about my love. Not about your problems. It's about my love. It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of your own doing. It's just all about God. Would you let God do that in your life? Maybe you'd pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. I believe you died on the cross, were buried and rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. Right now in your name, Jesus, in your name, right now, in your authority and your power, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Master. Write my name in the eternal book of life and the Lamb's book of life. 
Give me the promise of your spirit right now, God. Fill me, oh God, with your spirit. Immerse me in your presence. Let me know your love. Let me know your grace. If that was your prayer, then trust me. Jesus saved you. He heard your words. If you need to be healed today, we'd love to pray for you. If you want to come and find out more about what it means to receive Christ, or you've just prayed that prayer, then we just invite you here at the front. We'll have members of our prayer team here that can pray with you and greet you. We also invite you to the cross over here to my right. You can put a prayer request and say, I just need to see God do something. Or as you leave, you can put a prayer request in our, in our prayer wall. We have people driving from all over Southern California that don't go to this church who put a prayer request in our wall because they know God is moving here. We have Muslims that are coming who are putting prayer requests in our wall already. Amen. Something's happening. Something's happening. The rain is beginning to fall. The power of God is falling. Let's be a part of it. Let's see what God can do with all your heart, all your mind. All your